Hi, everyone. Hi. And welcome to another edition of Superman's Other Pals, a podcast where I, Gary Rowan, go through an issue of the Silver Age comic Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen with my teenage daughter. Ella Plum Rowan. And together, what do we do? We, we read it. Yes. And we talk about it. Yes. And you get to listen in. Yes. Which is a good thing to do, I guess, at this particular moment in time. Because, of course, we're Um, all in quarantine. The world is on fire. (laughs) These are the quarantine episodes. I'm going to try not to talk about it too much, because, you know, at some point in time, somewhere down the line, like, you know, a couple of years from now, maybe somebody will listen to it, and then everybody, and everyone will be talking to it. Like, anybody who listens to a podcast, a back episode of a podcast, through any of these, you know, things through the next few months, will just hear a lot of talk about how people are dealing with quarantine. And they might not want to. All I'm going to say is we're being quarantined, everyone's acting like the world is ending, and we're still talking into the void. Like, right. Like always. Right. <laughs> uh, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. <laughs> and if you're not new to the podcast, you're welcome still. But you knew that. Hopefully. So... Uh, let's just get right into it, because that's what we do. Okay, so uh, this issue is issue number 88, yep. October of 1965. So we're heading towards the end of 1965. Sure. And on the cover, we see Jimmy Olsen. Uh, playing some manner of bass guitar, it's supposed to be like uh, like a what should I call it? Like a, like a Paul McCartney bass. Have you ever seen Paul McCartney's bass in the Beatles? No, it I has don't a very watch a lot of old Beatles footage. It has a very distinct look to it, and you know what? That's fine. And I know that, like, because here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing about this. <laughs> you have a lot of feelings about this and stuff like this. I do, this. because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, kids have had the Beatles, specifically white kids, have yes. been had the Beatles forced upon them since, you know, the late 70s, let's say. And, yes, the music is very good, but come on. Can't can't we allow our children? Um, can't we allow our children to find their own musical tastes? Do we need to, to to continue to stuff stuff down their throats? I mean, you know, I guess though maybe like in the '60s, uh, people were parents were uh, playing their Jerry Vale records for their children, which was insufferable torture. So. <laughs> I don't know who this dude is. Like, I can't see. He was to one that. of those crooners. So he was. He was like a Frank Sinatra. Yes. 
he was a very low rent Frank Sinatra. Okay. And but so but like, you know, just remember that when your parents played the music that they liked for you, it was insufferable. Also, like a lot of the music that kids listen to these days because of that is from like the eighties. Well, yeah, and now- I don't really have most objections to that, but like it's weird because. Like, that would be like if you listened to music from the 30s when you were a kid consistently. No, no, no. it would be like... The I 80s guess, is 40 years ago. Yeah, the 80s is 40 years ago, and I was born in 1968, so that would be like 1928. Like, how weird would that be? It would be weird. My mom listened to, uh, my mom listened to a lot of country music. She was a big country music fan, which none of us were. <laughs> uh, the only thing it did manage to do was give me an appreciation for 70s and 80s country. Is that when Dolly Parton was? Yes. Yes. Okay. Through like Dolly Parton and the big names in I our like house Dolly were Parton. Dolly Parton, uh, Kenny Rogers. My mom loved Kenny Rogers. When was Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash was a very, he spanned a long period of time okay. that lasted from the 1950s to the 1990s. Oh, yeah, that is a very There were ups time. and downs. There were definitely ups and downs. There were, like, through the 80s, he didn't really, he wasn't really all that relevant. But that is still a long time yeah. to keep one's career. He had a huge amount of longevity. But, you know, yeah, my and my dad liked to listen. He liked Rod Stewart and Kiss. Okay, I know what Kiss is. A little hazy on Rod Stewart. Uh, Rod Stewart. He was a crooner. No. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. He was a solo rock and roll singer. Right. Um, who, like, I don't know. It was all fairly contemporary. My dad had a, had a fairly, he liked fairly contemporary music. He loved the album Rock and Roll All Over which he called Rock and Roll Over because... No, no. No, it was called Rock and Roll Over, and he used to call it Rock and Roll All Over because he's a dad. And dads don't get the names of things right. Yeah. Much like, you know, those movies, Fantastic Beasts and Where You Gotta Go to Get Them. Or Rapunzel. Rapunzel. Things of that nature. <laughs> But somehow I feel as though we have gotten off track. So, really? Issue number 88. <laughs> Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. So, Jimmy Olsen is playing, is like basically kind of made up like a beetle. With a purple suit jacket? Yeah, with a purple jacket and a. Uh, One of those like shoestring bow ties. Right, like a Colonel Sanders esque bow tie. Um, he's got pinstripe pants. Right. And in the background, there is a similarly dressed drummer. And like a drumming. weird hairdo that's probably just meant to be him like hopping around. But it looks like he did like the like greaser thing and then it got like messed up somehow in the front. Right. I think it's just his hair being tossed as he jerks his head around. Yeah, no, that's, so, that's what I said. But, it, but yeah, that's also what it looks it like. It looks very pompadoury. So... Then we see Superman, and Superman is uh, standing with these lines around him showing that he is twisting himself 
singing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It always bugs me when it. It's not yeah. It's yeah. It's yeah. That's right. I, I, I'm not not a fan. It is yeah. And in the crowd, we see you know some screaming kids. Going. One kid going, "Go, Superman, go!" Owie! But there's Perry White in the background going, "Superman, stop dancing! There's an emergency down the street!" And Jimmy Olsen saying. Cool it, Big Daddy. Oh, God. The gang's waiting to see Soupy dance the Krypton Crawl next. And then there's an inset uh, title of Bouncier Than the Beatles, More Electrifying Than Elvis, See Superman Strut the Krypton Crawl. Um. Yes. If Perry White hates being called Chief, how much does he hate being called Big Daddy? I don't know. The thing is, he really loved being called Big Daddy. I don't think you like being called. We're going to move on. <laughs> okay. We're going to yes. move on. You liked being on. called Big Daddy, but only by Mrs. White. We're going to move on. But now, it brings us to our we first story. We are moving on. I'm moving on. <laughs> so, do you want to go first? or shall, Do you want to read this one, or shall I? I'm sorry. I know. I do this every time. It's okay. But also... I often just go through it, so... Um, yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Just get it out of the way. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Getting up, drinking her drink of water. He's drinking his drink of... Grapefruit soda. Grapefruit soda. As she gets ready, adjusting her cape. Giggling now. Giggling a little. Has a nice smirk, happiness. You should hear the smile in her face as she reads. Something very important. That's what they always tell me. They say you should hear the smile on your face. If you're going to read, you need to be happy. Like Well, I'm your... reading now. So, here it is, cats. The go-goingest super shindig in rock and roll history. If you think the twist, the... Krug. The Frug. The Frug. And... The Watusi. Watusi more cool. Wait till you dig the Man of Steel when he enters the teen scene performing the Krypton Crawl. Come on in. You're all invited to the debut of Jimmy Olsen's Madcap Musical Mania featuring the Swingin' Superman. Alright, and then in our first panel, we see uh, that same group of purple-jacketed teens. With all some, with red wigs. Right, all with red Jimmy Olsen-esque wigs saying, that's the most! Keep it up, Soups! Soupy! Cool cat! And Superman's in the front, looking like he's swimming, going, yeah, yeah, the Krypton crawl! Yeah, yeah! And some kid in the crowd is shouting, man, it's way out! Did people actually talk like this? Yes. You don't know. This was three years before I was born. I know. I, I don't expect you to be like, yes, I was there. I know this. But people like that. There were people, you know, there I'm was slang. I'm pretty sure. Well, there's always slang. Right. And so, you know, saying that somebody is way out. Calling somebody a cool cat. I don't think cool cat was as big a deal right then as it was. Big Daddy. 
absolutely. Daddy-O. I think Daddy-O was gone, and they switched it to Big Daddy. Daddy-O was more like beatniks. Sure. Crazy, man. Crazy. Yes, I know. I remember what beatniks are. I think even now they would go crazy, man. Crazy. Things would still be crazy. Let me see. What else? Um, Somebody would still be a square. Okay, people still hear people use the phrase square. Yes. Or L7. What? L7. Oh, okay. You have L. Yeah, yeah. You have a 7, and they make a square. Yeah, that's... Although it's weird. It's an L, and it's a 7. Right, so it's... Although it is more of a rectangle. It's like in the movie... In the movie Pulp Fiction... Okay. They're about to go into the movie. They're about to go to the place Jack Jack uh, Jack Rabbit Slims. Okay. And they they're they're talking. Uh, John Travolta and Uma Thurman are talking. Yes. And she says, "I don't know about this place." And Uma Thurman says, "Come on, Daddy O, don't be a." And she makes this the that which is something you do. You draw out yeah a square. But the thing is, in the movie, it's a rectangle. And they draw it out. You see little dotted lines going through the way that she was going. And it was a rectangle. So it was... Don't be a... Don't be a... Rectangle. (laughs) Now... Why that was the decision, I don't know. But somehow I feel as though... We have gotten gotten off off track. track. This is going to be a long one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Jimmy Elson has been sent to the Metropolis Airport to cover the landing. The landing of Ricky something of the band. What is it? Rick Rock. Rick Rock. Rick's. I was close. Rick Rock's group, the Lucy Loop. No. Nope. Absolutely true. No. No, that's a song. Oh. Oh, and it was the Lucy Loop is a dance because this is a time when I mean dance craces are are always, but this is when you had there was the twist, the Watusi, the Frug, the mashed potato. Um, now I'm just trying to remember the the song Land of a Thousand Dances. The Pony. The Jerk. The... You get the idea. So... He gets to the airport and Jimmy's trying to get a trying to get a picture and... Of course, come also coming off the plane. Coming off the plane also is uh, everybody's favorite stewardess, and certainly the only stewardess, one of the few stewardesses working in Metropolis, Lucy Lane. So he wrote this Lucy Loop song about her within having met her on the plane, and she kind of leaves with him. And Jimmy's like, "Hey, let go of my girl!" And then all the crazed teenage girl fans are like, "How dare you insult him!" Get him, girls! And they start physically assaulting him. Right. And, like, trampling him, and he has to call Superman for help. I really feel like this is one of those instances where calling 
Superman was well warranted. Because he might have the been... The police, maybe. He might have been trampled to death. No, because the tra- the police would have to make their way through a crowd. Yeah. So maybe calling, calling Superman kept him from being killed. So he takes him back to his apartment, and Jimmy's like, huh, huh, I took guitar lessons. I'll become a song and dance guy. I'll get some of my friends in the Jimmy Olsen fan club around, and we'll make our own group, and we'll become, we'll be crazy man crazy. So and, and Lucy wants to date me again. Right that's, then, then I will get because every that's so the many, end of this. So many plot lines have to do with Jimmy trying to get Lucy back. Although we haven't seen in Lucy in way. a minute, it's true. But we have seen a lot of music. Yes. Okay, so... So, he goes with a bunch of dudes, and they're all wearing red wigs and dressed the same, and then this reporter shows up, and he's like, I'm a photographer for this magazine, um, can we do a photo shoot of you guys? And then he's like, yeah, sure, you can do it while we're performing. And um, he's now in a group called Jimmy Olsen and his Carrot Top Cut-Up. Oh and God. the opening performance is... What does it say? Soon. Soon. Uh, so, yeah, so as he's there, they're at rehearsals, and yeah, then this photographer named Bruce Bailey shows up and decides that he is going to, he's going to, like, take some, he's like, I've been assigned to take pictures of you. And Jimmy's like, crazy, man, crazy. And then um, it turns out that the drummer is sick and therefore not able to do the debut. So this reporter photographer dude is like, hey, I can fill in. I know how to play the drums. And Jimmy's like, yeah, great. Thanks, dude. Um, And then they play music. On the 4th of July. So. And then they play music. Superman shows up as they're playing. Because, you know, Jimmy Olsen and the Carrot Tops, and the Carrot Top Cut-Ups are, because uh, he's lead, he's, Superman is friends with the lead singer of Jimmy Olsen and the Carrot Top Cut-Ups. Yes. And, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jimmy is commenting about how good Bruce Bailey is. And Superman then suddenly is like, uh-oh, this music is triggered memories in me. So that he should have included a trigger warning with his music. Oh, my God. And he remembers how there was this kind of rock and roll craze on Krypton, and it began... And it was entirely different. Right. But uh, his... father created an instant rope gun and shortly after he created this instant rope gun there was this weird mysterious music around krypton that caused people to go into a trance-like state and dance um towards the nearest ocean right and where there was a waiting tentacled monster the the monster was playing the music and uh Eating them. Right. And about to start eating them. Maybe he was eating. Maybe he ate a couple. Let's say that he ate a couple. Yes. And then, but then, uh, 
Jor-El showed up, used his instant rope gun, and tied up the monster and saved everybody. Yup. So then, Superman, recalling this dance that made everyone go into a translite state and walk into the nearest ocean, decided that Jimmy should play this music and wrote down the score. A couple things. Sure. One, why? Why? Because uh, Superman was feeling nostalgic. For almost dying? Yes, for almost dying. Well, he was a baby. He didn't know. But he did notice, yes, I, I don't know. Two, um, wh- wh- when did Superman learn how to write sheet music well, in multiple different staffs? He's super? No, I'm not going to take that answer. So, <laughs> Jimmy Olsen and the Carrot Top Cut-Ups start playing the song and sends uh, Superman into... The trance that he was just describing. Right, and started doing this dance that he then calls the Krypton Crawl. So, Superman then goes in this trance from this music all the way up to this place in a military base where, of course, they let him go through and all the people behind him because, of course, he's Superman. It's a conga line. Right. They're having a fun time. Right, and every time there's a conga line, you have to let them pass. It's a law. It is. And... I've seen people go to jail for not doing it. He goes... He runs up to this sign that says... Beware, dangerous beasts below. Yep. And so he's like, I don't, what's going on? Where am I? And And Jimmy's like, oh, it must have been the music (laughs) that had been known for doing this before. Right. And that basically, so this, (laughs) the logic being that this music made you lured to the nearest monster. Yes. Basically. Essentially. Uh, and he's like, oh, well, that's weird. And so then they all leave. Right. But so, no, but most importantly, Bill Bailey, no, Bruce Bailey Bruce says, Bailey. Hey, Bailey. hey, hey, I got this. I got, I got all this great. Thanks for letting me drum. I got all this great footage of pictures. I will go. Don't you worry. We're, we're, your band's going to be all over teen tunes. Which I guess That's is a magazine. Thing. But what we find out... He's not with Teen Tunes. Is that Bruce Bailey is not a, uh, a, a, a teen re- a reporter for Teen Tunes magazine. He is, in fact... A gangster. No, he's an agent for an international spy ring. And this was all a big... This is all a big plot. A very intricate plot. Where he was using a piece of red kryptonite that once put Crypto, the superdog, in a hypnotic trance. So he took that piece of red kryptonite. And used it on Superman. Right. And Wait, go does ahead. Does that only work on them once? It works on each. So basically you yeah, couldn't use it on Crypto again. And now you can't use it on Superman. And now you can't use it on Superman. So why are you testing it on Superman? Well, he's not testing it on Superman. He did it to Superman so that he would be under his, so that he would lead him to this place okay. where 
there were the frightful test tube creatures from a weird biological experiment. They'll escape into the sea and will grow huge and menace all American shipping. Because they're international. Because they're international. It's an international spy ring, and they'll they'll pay it to the highest bidder. And so this was all a very intricate plot, but I... Now, I could be wrong, but I don't think that I am. There's a simpler way no. to do it. Well, certainly there's a simpler way to do it, but I think, like, the effects of red kryptonite are unpredictable. Yes. Meaning... What affects one Kryptonian one way doesn't necessarily mean it will affect a different Kryptonian the same way. Correct. So... So it was just a step in the door. Right. They just assumed. They assumed correctly. Right. But they just assumed. So then... Bruce Bailey, who is agent... who's actually agent X-43... He doesn't even get a name? No. He, uh... I feel like that's a little rude. He sends an electronic signal that detonates chemical gas on board the ship. But Superman, of course, acting quick, blows all the... No, I think inhales the smoke, where he's fine. And then he brings people. He brings guards. <laughs> he brings in the soldiers of the military base right. that they <laughs> broke into. Right. And so they grab both of these guys and they send them. They say, we're going to send you to court for treason. Treason? That's right. And that's why I fake the ship's exposure. Aren't they not from America? They are not from America. How can they be tried for treason? I don't know. In a country that they don't belong to. Well, also... Is that how that... I'm not sure that's how that works. I don't... And treason is one of those things that... Like, you could say many things that weren't treason. Treason is one of those things that I think is very, very difficult to, like, slap on somebody. If you try to murder the king, that's treason. Yeah. If you attempt, if you attempt to blow up parliament, that's treason. Right. But I'm, that happened. But I'm not sure... I remember. Right, but I'm not sure that this is treason. I don't know. I, I have no treason. idea. I am not a lawyer. I am not a JAG. I personally I am not a member of the NCIS. I wouldn't call it treason. Um, but apparently the people at DC Comics called this uh, treason and that they're going to bring them to... Um, they're going to bring these two guys to justice because yeah. that's what they did at the time. And at the very end, we see Jimmy with Lucy, and they're doing the Krypton Crawl. And it did really catch on with it, the kid. It certainly did. And Jimmy says, hey, whatever happened to Rick Rock, Lucy? And Lucy says, who cares? Go, go, Jimmy. You don't you don't you ball do the Krypton Crawl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't like that. It's just do the Krypton crawl. Makes everything better. Mm. And that's the end of our first story. Okay. I'm not sure it does. So then we have 
Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen's, Olsen's pen pals. Wow. And I want to, I want to direct uh, There's this one, one particular one that was, that I, I, I liked, which was the guy who was talking about, he was, he wrote in a terrible German accent. Oh no. That was a good story about Von Olsen in number 86. I liked their Fuhrer and their Van Olsen captured and executed. Those American schweins. There are, there was wunderbar. I think there was the best story of their year. Oh. Heil editor. No. Let's not. Yes. There's a very, uh. Let's not. A very Hogan hero-esque accent. Let's not. Let's not mock the, um. The Germans? Specifically the Nazis. Well, they're everybody's favorite target. I know. Because they're not really German. They're Nazis. They're a separate. There is a distinction. There is a separate. They're their own thing, which Especially doesn't exist now anymore. When most of the Nazis aren't in Germany. Right. Well, certainly that can be. That argument could be made. All right. Then we see elsewhere in the superverse. So we see someone's getting married in the Legion of Superheroes. I right. don't know who. Um, uh, it's Lightning Lad marries Saturn Girl, and Ultra Boy meets Phantom Girl, and all four quit the Legion. Oh! Because when you get married, you have to stop. Is it because they're all supposed to be kids? I don't know. Like, Is there's... it because Batman logic, where like once you have significant others, they're a liability? Well, yeah, even though they're other superheroes. Or it's like... In... I know, but like, haven't... It's like Little Rascals logic. Haven't there been, uh, whatchamacallit, like, storylines where basically, like, Batman and Wonder Woman almost become a thing, but then Batman's like, no, they'd be able to leverage you. Right. And she's like, dude... How, how? Right. How are they beating me? Or it's like so in the Little Rascals, right? There was a, there were a couple of episodes. They had this teacher, Miss Crabtree. There were at least one. I know that there was definitely one, but there might have been more than one. Where, like, there was this notion that as if if Miss Trab if Miss Crabtree got married, then she would she would have to stop being a teacher. I guess it's because okay. she needs to go and be a, a, a housewife. I mean, statistically speaking. And then. Historically, once women get married, they quit their jobs, historically speaking. Right. So maybe there's a little bit of that, that basically uh, it happens in the 31st century. It goes away, but then it comes back in the 31st century. In the form of both of them have to quit. Exactly. Uh, then Superboy, uh, we see uh, the first Super Baby's first fight. Sure. 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 And then in action comics. Kill or be killed when Superman faces a showdown with the ultimate enemy. And Superman is wearing some kind of... We don't know who the ultimate enemy is. But he's also wearing a, carrying a sword and shield. Weird rainbow. And a weird rainbow shield. 
it's like, what is that? Cause it's, hexagonal? Because it's Pride Month. <laughs> Pride Month is not December, Dad. He's fighting for LGBT rights. It's October, so that means it's probably like July, August. So Pride was just over. Okay, then we have... Cocoa Puffs. Cocoa Puffs commercial. Cocoa. With uh, Sonny, the Cocoa Bird. And he's talking to his grandfather, and he says, Hi, Gramps, how do you like the guitar? Fine. But how come you gave it to me? And Sonny then says, So you won't pick on me. Yuck, yuck. And Gramps says, Oh, yeah? Have some Cocoa Puffs. And uh, he then goes off and with his patented, I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And Grandpa's like, ha, that showed him. That's right. Oh I don't God. know. <laughs> Dad, what? they call it a unibike. Yes. So That's not what that is. I know. So then we have an ad. What the heck? We have an ad for three easy plans for a dollar. And with a dollar, you get the plans for a speed bike, a go-kart, a high bike or a unibike. Which is a unicycle. Which is a unicycle. Unibike means one, two wheels. Unicycle. Think about think about the linguistics behind it. Right. Unibike shouldn't exist. It's like fellows. It, it says fellows. Oh, God. Because, they, you know, because they're all boys. Not fellows. It's easy to make your own. Speed bike, go-kart, high bike, or unibike. That's four things. I know. <laughs> Maybe they put bike, high bike, and unibike on the same plan. And they're like, if you want to use a unibike, do this. There's, but then if you add this on, it becomes a high bike. There's no way they did that. They're not structurally similar. I don't know. Like, at all. Then I don't know. But they, um... That's what they do. Also, and, it's not easy to teach oneself how to ride a unicycle. Right. It, well, there is that. Well, they don't teach you how to ride it. They don't, they don't say you can learn how to ride it. They just know, say you'll make like, one. Yes, but like in order, like if you have, if you go to the trouble of making one, you should learn how to ride it. And it's not easy to figure out by yourself. Well, also, like if you're going to make a go-kart or a speed bike, like you need access to an engine. Yes. So you need to know an engine. Yeah. I actually once sent away for one of these crazy plans because one of them was like how to build a force field. You put the laptop in the microwave. <laughs> right. No, you don't put the laptop in the microwave. And so, you throw some softballs in the pudding. Right. That's a different thing. Uh, and then you throw a rat against a moving bus. Right. A dead rat. A dead rat. <laughs> against a bus. A moving bus. bus. So, uh, that, is you, that is a reference. You build a table. Um, that is a reference to a uh, song by <laughs> Chris Hardwick and... I think it's Mike Furman, Hard and Firm, yes. as they do their album, uh, as their song Funkhauser, which is a seven-minute funk song where they do all kinds of things. Among those, the things that we just mentioned. So then, 
uh, we have a public service announcement that says, are you a litter bug? Where we see a kid, and this is more, this is, uh, this, this has no words really. It's more like a, uh, an, 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 a, uh, an edition of the family circus of one of, I don't know what that means. the family circus was a cartoon, was a comic strip. And Billy, they had this one where like Billy would like walk in all these crazy ways. And this is basically takes pieces of it, but along the way, he uh, makes messes. And, and then complains about the mess. And then at the very end, he goes, oh, what a ball field. I wonder who messed it up. And then he realizes it's me. I messed it up. Humanity are the true monsters. Exactly. Published as a public service announcement in cooperation with the National Social Welfare Assembly, coordinating organization for national health, welfare, and recreation agencies of the U.S. Which then brings us to our second story. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Clever Jimmy Olsen, Superman's young reporter pal, thrives on mystery. But for once, he is faced with a puzzling circumstances that even he can't solve unaided. Here's your chance, readers, to try to outthink Jimmy. See if you can guess the fantastic solution to the riddle of the Olsen statue. So... They really bury the lead on this story. They, they really do. Uh, so, in the first... In the first story, in the first panel... We see a bunch of similarly dressed boys and a guy who's who's supposed to be Jimmy Olsen, but he's wearing a green frogman suit with antenna. Right now, I don't really know what a frogman suit is. Okay, so do you know what a frogman is? Is it like the domesticated version of the creature from the Black Lagoon? <laughs> no. The frogmen started in, I think they came from World War II. They did. They were essentially divers. I like my they called, better. They called divers frogmen. And they had, I guess because they had green scuba suits. Mm. But. And those goggles. They didn't have those goggles. Did. Nor did they have, nor did they have antenna on their, on their things. But it's for a different reason why they look like frogmen. They just in this one, they just made him actually look like a bug, more a bug than a frogman. But there's this statue that kind of looks like Jimmy, and so the one of the and the lead kid goes, "Huh? That statue in your frogman outfit didn't even exist last night. What's the answer to all the astonishing things that have been happening on this island, Jimmy?" And Jimmy says, "Ha ha! That's my secret." And he's thinking. I wish I did know, but I don't want these hero-worshipping members of my fan club to realize that I'm as baffled as they are. I like my answer to what a frogman is better. What is a frogman? What did you say? The creature of the Black Lagoon's domesticated cousin. <sighs> sure. Why not? Okay, so... Members of the Jimmy Olsen fan club... Go, or they fly, I guess because they know how to fly. They fly to an barren, unexplored Pacific island. He's getting, they're getting towed by Superman oh. in a glider. Oh, I'm sorry. They're getting towed by Superman in a glider. 
There's no... They're... They're not letting 12-year-olds fly planes, well, they in the 1960s. They shouldn't let them fly gliders. Gliders are hard to fly. They're not flying the glider. Anyway, so... Superman is flying the glider. Superman goes, okay, well... Have fun on this barren, unexplored island that we're not sure exactly what's going to be on. I'm sure it'll be all be fine. I'll be back in a couple of days. And they're like, gee, thanks, Superman. <laughs> I'll be back in a couple of days to collect your corpses. <laughs> so, <That's> so mean. <laughs> there you go. I'm so mean. <laughs> yes. Well, think about it. I mean, you know, hey. If I if I was like okay, you guys want to go on a camping trip? Fine, I will put you on a deserted island that you cannot get off of, and there was nobody around for miles and like for many many miles. That is barren and unexplored, and I'm going to leave you here, and. I'm going to come back in a couple of days. The Mythbusters did that with only duct tape to survive, and they were fine. But they had an entire camera crew with them. <laughs> That's yep. the thing. That's yep. always the thing. I, yep. I always see about those things where, like, on Survivor, you know, they always had these got like, they're, like, out on a desert island or out in the wilderness, and they're like, we've got no food, we've got nothing. But, you know, really, what's... What's to stop them from, like, going to the craft services truck? <laughs> or whatever equivalent. Because they're not... Because it's not the... Because the cameramen, certainly, they, they aren't part of the survivor. They're just taking everybody's picture. Yep. Or, like, you know, Bear Grylls. He's out there in the wild, sure. But, you know, uh, they're, they're, he did a show called Man vs. Wild. Oh, but, yeah. I remember that. But there's an entire production staff around him that'll be like, Hey, uh, you're drowning. I think I'm going to rescue you. All right, so the first thing happens is they make camp, they go to sleep, and then they wake up, and they are... Tied up. Tied up. Very tightly. Right, and they have no idea what's going on, or who did it, and they manage to wiggle over to a ham radio that they have and put out a... Distress call to Jimmy. Right, they, because um, because Superman is off on a mission to another event, to another dimension, and when there's no dimensional travel, when there's interdimensional travel... He can't be reached. Can't be reached. Not that they could reach him anyway. It's not like they have signal watches. Yeah, he can't be giving those around too, giving those out too much. Exactly. So then Jimmy hears this and then goes to the Pentagon at Washington D.C. and what? asks the Admiral, "Hey, can I? I need to get to an island fast. It's beyond the planet's helicopter range, so he can't get there in the flying newsroom." And so. And the general's like, admiral's like, you've helped the Navy tons of times, and I want to hear about when he helped the Navy. Well, certainly, apparently, he's helped them so well that he's going to give them a destroyer at his disposal. A destroyer is not a small ship. I know. It has big guns. I know. And, you know... 
So it's called the destroyer. And he's he's not going to be you know, he's not trying to take over the island. No, just get his friends. So he really only needs like a motorboat. Right. Or like, like a, a pontoon boat. Or something something smaller. Uh, but so he's like, all right, well, a I'll... yacht. So, exactly. He needs a yacht. Well, the Navy doesn't have a lot of yachts. They must have one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. They might have little boats. He needs something the size of a yacht. Maybe smaller. Well, he needs something that has a good range. And I guess maybe a destroyer would be good, would be a good enough range. He anyway. A tiny cruise ship. So... They go and they get him there as close as they can, but they can't go very far. They can't get all the way up to let him out. So he has to go by way of bath escape. I don't know what that is. It's basically like a, you know what a diving bell is? No. It's a big piece of pressurized hunk of steel that you can send under the water. Is it an escape pod? It's kind of like a submarine. It's a personal submarine? Is it the turtle? No, it is not the turtle. I want to see the turtle. Yes, but it is not the turtle. Um, so, it's basically a... It's, it is a, it is a low-rent submarine. And... But it's not as complex. Okay. So, he's like... He goes like, and he gets to the island. He goes to the island. He dresses in a frogman outfit. And, Why? Uh, we don't know. No, because he's going to be... Because di- he's basically diving. Okay. So, he goes there. And he gets the, de- the bath escape as close as he can. And then he's like, okay... I'll swim the short remaining distance. Courage, loyal fans. I, the incomparable Olsen, will be with you in a jiffy. Okay, stop bragging about yourself to a storm. He thought that to himself. Stop (laughs) bragging about yourself in your own mind and just save the darn children. So he gets out and he starts to swim, but uh uh-oh. He gets caught by a giant clam. I have a question. Yeah, you were there. Do those exist? Giant clams do exist. Do they just close on people? No. I'll never forget. There was a there's a there's a Batman, 66 Batman, where where they're stuck in front of a giant clam and the giant clam actually starts to eat Robin. And the, I'll, the, the, there's this image of Robin's two boots. Holy shark repellent, Batman. Sticking out of a giant clam. Do they need clam repellent now, too? No. No, no. Um, but no, giant clams don't do this. I didn't think they did. But they don't. They don't really have like enough of a consciousness to do something like that. Right. 
Right. Clans don't generally... They're not... That's not what they're about. They don't catch other fish. They're not carnivores. No. So, Jimmy then uses... But he uses a piece of driftwood, but... Driftwood flows. To get him out. And, but unfortunately... Driftwood floats. Yes, oh, it does. Oh, it's floating. Okay. And so he gets himself out. I thought it was like on the oh. bottom of the thing. By the way, they're not in that shallow of water. Yeah, no, I didn't think so. So he's managed to get himself out, but his legs still hurt. So he crawls all the way to where the kids are. The, so the kids the have is. been tied up on the beach for two days. Bureaucracy of the Navy. Well, it says, no, well, he goes to the, he goes and he's like, hey, I got to go to this place. And they're like, all right, we're going to give you a, just uh, uh, two days later, two days later. So it's been two days and change, maybe like two and a half days. They can survive that long. Tied to, and so basically they've been immobile for two days. They, they, they are almost dead. Yeah. But also, their starved suit, their canned food supplies have gone, and they didn't even like eat them. They just went missing. Right, and they're like, "Uh oh, there's nothing edible on the island." I don't, nothing that you can reach, at least. I don't know where. You know, they're being tied to the because it's like they showed up and they immediately went to they they broke camp, they made camp, and the next morning was tied to their. Uh, to their things, and then was it and stayed that way until two days until Jimmy was able to break them out. So they didn't really get a chance to look at the island, but yeah. they were like, "Hey, there's nothing edible on the island." I guess it might be that they're not knowledgeable enough about any sort of like plant stuff to know what is and isn't poisonous. Right, but Jimmy's like, "I don't know. I'll lower my infrared goggles and see what I can see." Then he doesn't see anything, and then all of a sudden. Food just appeared, and he's like, "Wow, that's weird." And the, but he gives the food to the kids, and the kids are like, "Wow." He took a nap, and I, then when he woke up from the nap, the food was there. Oh, okay. So it's not like it just like showed up magically in front of him. It was more like it showed up magically while he was asleep. Right. So he woke up, and every and the the fan club is like, "Wow, this is great. We're going to eat this food." So they ate this food. They eat the food, and. And then the heat lights a fire. And then... I wish it was brighter. And then all of a sudden... A glowing circle... A giant donut. Right, shows up in the sky. And the kids are like, how'd you do that? And he's like, hey, I can't tell you, that's my secret. And he's like, I... It thinks to himself, I have no idea. <laughs> and the next morning... He's like, I don't know, but I don't want to freak the kids out anymore than they've already been freaked out. So the next morning, Jimmy and his fans search for the bath escape, and they run across that jeweled statue of Jimmy hunkered down. And they're like, he's like... I, and they're like, what the hell is this? Right, they're like, who made this, Jimmy, and why? He's like, he starts to think, I don't know. But Jimmy, Jimmy plays it off like, ha, that's another secret. Ah, uh, wait. Oh, 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 here comes Superman. He's returning from that other dimension. Yep. And then Jimmy's like, care to explain what's happening here? 
obviously when the children are like a little bit farther away. Right. Um, and then Superman digs a hole in the side of a volcano mountain something. So. So Superman picks up Jimmy and says, okay, well, uh, uh, Jimmy and I have something important to do and we'll be back in a little while. And so, in a li- so then basically they look to see what's going on. He creates a natural form of knockout gas, pumps it into this hole in the ground, carries Jimmy through the hole in the ground, and sees that there's a bunch of giant ultra-evolved insects. Knocked unconscious that he's made out with his powerful knockout gas. And then there is, like, a stone monolith with an inscription, and basically they think that Jimmy's their god. Yes. Because there's some kind of prophecy where he is going to come and... Help them wage war on the surface dwellers. Right. And so there, and there was radioactivity from this giant meteor that made them grow to huge sizes because this was in a time when uh, radiation made you big instead of dead. Instead of dead, and it made them evolve into skilled artisans, weapons, weapons makers, and warriors. You know the three kinds of people. And apparently, also gave them uh, factories in which they could make what? weapons. <laughs> They could make beam we- particle beam weapons. Um, so, and then they um they wake up, and then they start firing those weapons at Superman. Exactly. And then he seals them in the cave out of spite. I don't think out of spite. I think out of their protection. Spite. And then you find out that these that these bugs are responsible for all the stuff. You. Yep. Haven't figured out how they're responsible for the glowing light in the... Oh, wait, no, it's lightning bugs. Right, they had the, gl- they had the glowing jet lightning bugs. They made the statue. They stole the food and then gave back the food. They tied the kids up. And those weren't ropes. Those were cocoons. Right. Which, that's not what cocoons look like. Maybe they evolved into the... And I guess they were about to wage war on the surface world, and that's why he sealed them in their cave forever. Yup. So that they will never, ever, ever come and get them ever again. Yup. Then we have Tootsie Pop ad for Tootsie Pops. And then brings us to our last story. Among the Legion of Superheroes in the 30th century is Starboy who has the ability to project super weight into any object. And on the Daily Planet staff in the 20th century is Jimmy Olsen, who one day gains Starboy's power of super heaviness, but in the wrong way when he falls for a defective serum like a ton of bricks. The weighty result is a series of blinder, of blunders as the heavy-hearted boy reporter becomes Jimmy Olsen, the world's heavyweight champ. So, we start. Oh, we see Jimmy, and he's falling through a trampoline. And one of his fans is like, holy cow, Jimmy's is so heavy that he ripped apart through our trampoline and even 
crack the ground open. How much does he weigh? Jimmy says, a few tons at least. The only human on Earth who can pick me up is Superman. Also, I'm a little confused and concerned because Superman is also in the doorway with Jimmy Olsen. Who, with a guy who looks a lot... No, no. Oh, if you look, that's actually... um, That's like some kind of poster. Because you can see the... Oh, okay. It looked like the doorway. Yeah. it's It was confusing because the doorway is right here. Yeah. So... Jimmy is writing a, an article about the Legion of Superheroes. And he told the story about Lightning Lad, Saturn Girl, and Chameleon, Chameleon Boy. And now he's writing his next one for, which he does on... Starboy. Starboy. Now, Starboy is a, is a super legionnaire who can project his star mass from his fingers and makes things dangerously heavy <laughs> so that people can't fly or do anything. And he can, like, make balloons fall like stones. And he uh, makes a bomb that will sink down in the earth for miles so where it can explode harmlessly. So he's, uh, you know, so he's writing all these stories. And then... You know what I think is great? What is great? These are the superpowers of the A-team. There's a B-team with even weirder superpowers. Oh, yeah. Certainly you know about the Legion of Substitute Heroes. The one with the girl who's just allergens? Yes. Yes. Stone Boy, who can turn into stone, but not turn out of stone. <laughs> for, like, an indeterminate amount of exactly. time. Exactly, yes. For an indeterminate amount of time, he just becomes stone. And he doesn't move either. He becomes basically a statue of himself in whatever position exactly. he was last Although in. he does manage... There's a story where he does manage to kill uh, the villain. That's not even the weirdest superpower I know about. Oh, no. There's another one where it's like a guy can throw poisonous uh, spikes. No, I'm talking about there's a Marvel character called Danny the Street. And what is his power? He's a street. <laughs> it's great power. <laughs> he shows up anywhere and suddenly there's a street there because he got mutated into a street. And he's... You know, he, he knows, he, he understands the word on the street. That's what he does. Mina so, told me about him. After he finishes writing the story on Starboy, he pops by the offices of, or pops by the lab of everybody's favorite Lex Luthor in disguise. Yes. Professor Potter. Yes. Who happens to say, hey, Jimmy. I have this, uh, I've got this mystery serum that I don't think quite works. Why don't you test it out? No, that's not what he says. He says, I've got this super serum that will give you the same powers as Starboy. Same powers. And Jimmy's like, yeah, I'll drink it. Right. <laughs> because Jimmy has a drinking problem, and uh, Professor Potter is his enabler. Except instead of booze... Exactly. It's weird mystery and alien Exactly. Liquids. There is not a serum in this world that Jimmy Olsen won't, won't turn down. He will drink potions that are centuries old. Right. Come from outer space. Doesn't matter. He's just going to drink... You give him you give him a serum. You tell him it's a serum in that test tube. It's down his gullet super fast. 
So, uh, you know, he drinks it and he's like, hey, it's nothing. And uh, Professor Potter says, don't worry, in the morning, it's going to be all over. Like, you'll, you'll get it and you'll see it. So in the morning, he wakes up and he, like, points his fingers at the nearest skin and he's like, get heavy. And then it doesn't. Um, so Jimmy's like, huh, well. That well stinks. Then. So then Jimmy goes to the clubhouse. And they just got a trampoline. Exactly. So they go to the trampoline and Jimmy's like, okay, well, I'll try out the trampoline. So he jumps up on the trampoline and falls right through. Into the ground. Into the ground. And then they all try to, like, lift him out of it. And they can't. So it turns out that instead of giving him the powers to project weight into other places, he can only project... He, he can't project it, it just stays within him, and he is, you know, he weighs hundreds of pounds. Yep. Hundreds, perhaps thousands of pounds. So, so he then goes to Professor Potter and is like, uh-oh. And he's like, oh, I broke the scale. I must weigh more than an elephant. And Professor Potter basically says, my bad. He said, well, who's perfect? Yeah. So the thing is, when you're a scientist and you're testing something on a person that you know, you need to be sure. I want to know how Professor Potter makes his money. Well, he's Lex Luthor. Is he independently wealthy? He's Lex Luthor. He must be. Or he must know how he must know how to write a grant like nobody's business. Alright, so He's Lex Luthor. That's how he He's like, well, you're gonna be super heavy until sundown, so deal with it, carrot top. So Jimmy's like, whatever, I'll try to live life as usual. He's like, yes, yes, I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm sick. I'm just going to live my life as I live my life. So he tries to go to the Daily Planet. And he goes, takes the elevator. Of course, the elevator doesn't work. And he takes the stairs, breaks the stairs. start crumbling under him. Then gets to the top of the, gets gets to his office, Starts to tap on the typewriter, destroys the typewriter. Goes upstairs again. The plaster falls down every time he takes a step. Right, then... They try to airlift him home in the flying newsroom, and he falls through the bottom. Now, he should have seen that coming. He should have been like, you know what? He's leaning I am. I am not... Uh, I am way too heavy to be picked by anything, so I don't think I'm going to be up there. He's leaning on that tower thing that's on the top of the building, and it's, like, tilting, and they're like, oh, God, we're all going to die. So he's like, okay, well, I'm going to call Superman, because this is one of those things that you call Superman for. This is one of those things. And Superman's like... This is not a grease fire in your kitchen in contained inside of a pan. Right. So... He takes him. Oh, right. So he's like, he's like, I, you, you like, I can't just be at home. I have to go to the airport because I'm on a, I'm on a, I, where I owe Lucy Lane a date. Okay, dude. Well, she's gonna be mad at you either way. Exactly. Now, why does it, why? She's gonna hate you either way. Why he doesn't just call her and say, Okay, Lucy, 
You know how I'm Superman's pal? <laughs> Do you know how I can't resist a good liquor? A good uh, serum? Well, something's happened again. You know how I um, have been going to those AAA meetings, but for people who keep right. drinking mystery space liquid? Exactly. Well, uh, you can throw away all of the sobriety chips. Triple A meetings? Triple No. Double A meetings. You're talking about the Automobile Club of America. <laughs> yes. Yes, man. I'm a, sorry. That's a different meeting. I'm tired. I've been out of school for three weeks that now. Is a, that is a much different meeting. I've been trapped. I've been trapped. I'm not that great at these things to begin with. Wait, something else is also the AAA. I don't know what else. Batteries. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also have AAA baseball, but you know. So, but and apparently this is a pool party. Don't. And he's like, well, I wore my bathing suit under my clothes so my weight doesn't show. So why should I tell Lucy that I'm super heavy? Wait. She might be afraid of me. Why, why would he wear... Uh, so it doesn't... Sh what? Because it's a pool party. So he decides that he's going to show up. So he's going to go to this pool party and he comes in his bathing suit so that he can just go. So... Why doesn't he just show up in clothes so he's a convenient excuse not to go in the pool? Well... Because Jimmy Olsen is a boy... Like, if I have to go to a pool party... And I don't want to swim. You just show up in clothes. Well, Jimmy Olsen, being a bear of little brains, <laughs> decides that this is the way he's going to go. Now, can he be honest with her? No. Because that is not what their relationship is based upon. <laughs> It's not based on open communication and honesty. It's based on her running away with random millionaires and him running away with random space women and right. both of them grudgingly staying in a relationship. Exactly. Everyone is, either one is terrified at any moment in time that the other person is going to meet someone better than them and run, and off. run off with them. To be fair, that is a justified fear. Well, but not if their love is true. No, it is not. But they are engaged. So... Are... They've been engaged for how long? A long time. How many times have they called off the engagement? A long time. Many times. So, okay. So, unfortunate. So, as we, you might expect, Jimmy falls into the pool, hits the back, cracks the pool, the pool drains. Lucy kicks him out. Lucy's like, Duh! I'll never forgive you! Jimmy then somehow falls on top of a police car that is in pursuit of, like, criminals, and then Superman's like, yeah, you're on timeout now. Right. <laughs> um, but first, ads. So. And then we have an ad for the 80-page giant Superman and Batman and Robin of the world's finest heroes together. And there's a Tootsie Roll ad. Which then brings us back to the last of the story. Um, and then Superman's just like, 
how Jimmy, you are an amazing source of annoyance for everybody. How does this happen? And so, so puts him on timeout. Right. And so um he's like, You just go home right now and you stay there. You don't go anywhere. And then he does. But on the way No, because on the way, he runs by that hot that that police cruiser that he has flattened and he hears over the radio that somebody has raided the hideout of the anti-Superman gang at 38 Elm uh, around the way of uh, the uh, found wax museum of Superman's friends where he then, and then of course Jimmy's like, well, you care so much about that. He's like, well, I'm one of those friends. I gotta see what's going on. So then... They're just wax figures, moron! He figures out, so then he goes, and he's like, I, the, the anti-Superman gang has got to have something planned. And you see what the anti-Superman gang has planned. Fate's planned for Superman's pals. He's uh, going to put Clark Kent, mild manner reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper, give him a pair of cement overshoes... What are overshoes? Basically, in this case, it'd be galoshes. But overshoes in this case is... Like wellies? Kind of, yes. Okay. In this case, it's when they put you in a bucket... And then fill the And then fill the bucket with cement, and then throw you overboard a ship. And then you just drown. Oof. Uh... And then you see... They're going to go... They're going to go old school and tie Lois Lane to a train tracks. Because apparently a member of the anti-Superman gang is Snidely Whiplash. The hell kind of name is Snidely Whiplash? He's a, it's, it's sort of a... a uh, that better be a fake name. It is a fake name. Thank God. It's so like in the silent films of... Please no one ever name your child Snidely. Uh, there's a... In the, there's like an old like silent movie trope of villains tying ladies... To train tracks. And one of the... I think most people know that. And I believe Dudley Do-Right's main villain was Snidely Whiplash. Dudley Do-Right was from uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Well, then you should know. All right, so... So, you know, and then he finds out that they're going to give uh, hit Jimmy Olsen with a bomb. Just put some arsenic, some strychnine, and some cyanide in a bottle, label it space liquid, and Jimmy will do it himself. Right. So then... <laughs> Superman? Superman shows up. Yes. <laughs> he grabs. He grabs Jimmy. Well, first he throws the Clark Kent mild manner reporter from Andrew Metropolitan newspaper in the cement overshoes. Throws him through... They throw all the wax figures through the skylight, and he breaks the skylight, but then he hurls Jimmy also out of the sky, out of the, out of the skylight, and then he catches him and is like, all right. That was for not listening to me. You are a menace, and I, uh, I, I am grounding you to this mountain 
until sundown. You can't, you can't make any trouble. We're basically, I'm putting you where you can't see. And then he sets Jimmy down on the mountain, and then it causes a rock slide. And then one of the rocks in the rock slide is green kryptonite. Why is there so much kryptonite just around? That's, see, this is in a time when kryptonite was, uh, it was, it was available and not harmful to humans. It wasn't the rare resource that other people, that they, that other people have. And isn't it supposed to, like, in the modern whatever, isn't it, like, radioactive? Yeah, it's radioactive, yes. Yeah. So, uh, Jimmy tries to... No, back in this, like, you could be, like, a female villain and just, like, make all your jewelry out of kryptonite. Exactly. So, Jimmy tries to move it, but it's, but he has super, he has super weight, but no super strength. So, he's like, I can't drag him under this boulder. What can I do? So, he takes a old piece of mining machinery that happens to be nearby and he uses it as a lever and he jumps on it it breaks him and that's that and then jimmy sinks into the sand and then superman says thank you for saving my life but you're staying here however i will lift you out of this eventually dirt um so but then he's like hey uh but then the next day... Right. He's like, I was no star boy with my super weight, just a star boob who built up a super heavy debt because he's been charged for all the things the that he has broken. Which, you know, he did the damage, so... It's true. He did the, he did the crime, so he needs to do the time. And that brings us to the end of issue number 88. Thank you very much for joining us and staying with us to the end. Uh, if you could write a review on the Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app and uh, tell one person you know one of the stories you've heard here today or and on any of our podcasts and let people know yeah. that we are here. We are. And we'd like them to listen. Yeah. Stay safe. Yes. Uh, thank you to the Spin Doctors for not suing us. You can catch us at Other Pals Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Do you have anything else? Support your local roller derby and support your local small businesses, if you can. Okay. And until next time, this is Gary Rowland. This is Ella Plum Rowland. And we say Superman away! Away!